Welcome back, everybody. Podcast in a car. Uh, just completed a podcast in an airplane. I'm going to post that as well. That's a first. I want to talk a little bit about default mode network and a touch on salient mode network. I'm headed home from the great uh, um, city of Salisbury uh, via Publix. And uh, I thought it would be a good, fairly short but important introduction to neuroscience. I know, I'm not trying to put you to sleep, honestly. I'm not trying to put you to sleep. But understanding the brain is such an important concept when you start talking about uh, gabapentinoids, when you talk about ketamine, some newer things, psychedelics, and even uh, medical-grade marijuana, which, I don't know, I'm trying to wrap my arms around it, but I can talk a little bit about it. So, this is the deal. Default mode network. What is it? It's a screensaver. Basically, it's your brain on a screensaver. You are sitting there daydreaming, and you're just thinking about the world around you, and it's nothing too exciting. You aren't being stimulated. There's no tasks to be done. I'm just wandering around my brain. That's the same. That's kind of the salient mode, where you just let your uh, brain decide what it needs to do. But the default mode network is active. Your brain's never asleep. Your na- brain is never inactive. Probably 11 to 15% of your basal metabolic rate goes to your brain. That's a lot for a 9 to 11 pound uh, bowling ball. That's a lot. Um, so, energy to the brain is active 24-7. When you're sleeping, it's dreaming. It's active. When you're awake with tasks, like I'm driving now, uh, default mode network is in the background. When I get home and I unpack from Publix and sit around and I'm kind of daydreaming, the screensaver comes on. The default mode network is critically important because it is what your brain must do at certain intervals, time of the day, or um, even through therapeutic exercise. What do I mean by that? Let's pick, let's pick on ketamine. Ketamine activates the default mode network. The default mode network, when it's activated, does a lot of very cool things to the brain. It actually helps the brain thrive. It helps the brain's activity when you want it active the most. Now, if I got a functional MRI, you can actually see the uh, parietal sections and the other sections that the default mode network lights up on. You can see it. And you can then see the active parts when the default mode network is in the background. So your brain is also alive. And through the process of what's called synaptogenesis in the uh, dentate gyrus of the hippocampus, I know, boring, boring, boring. That's a, in the primitive part of the brain. It's part of the brain that actually 
grows and increases dendritic formations or this way of talking. And you can take a sick brain. A brain is not healthy. The sick neuron at the ventral tegmental area, what? What's that? That connects to the nucleus accumbens. What? A lot of big words. It it interrelates through spines. It's the new spine. Everybody knows the bony spine. This is the neural spine. And if I took a regular MRI of somebody with bad diabetes, Alzheimer's, somebody with bad cardiovascular disease, depression, anxiety, bad pain, the brain is actually smaller because it's a sick neuron. And these dendritic formations are not kind of there. The spines are kind of there. They're kind of not there. It's so... Um, what, what does that matter? Well, that matters because your brain is inefficient. Your brain is not doing what it really needs to do, and that's be acting, active, salient, um, doing the, the things that's so important for human existence, the thinking. That's fibro fog, really. It, it, when you have... Um, a sick neuron, it's fibrofog, it's, or any kind of fog. I forget, the hippocampus is so important in memory and learning, it's so important in getting good sleep and thriving, that if you have those sick neurons, of course you're not going to sleep well. And anybody with fibromyalgia or any chronic pain or <sighs> diabetes, and, and things like that, I mean... What they have is this neuroinflammation, a process of neuroinflammation that is just a brain that just can't be as functional and active and as thoroughly pleased as it, it needs to be. And the default mode network helps it get there. Ketamine helps it get there through that process of synaptogenesis that uh, gets the BDNF, uh, brain-drive neurotrophic factor, elevated, which makes the brain thrive. And I've said it before. You know, people talk about runner's high and, you know, you exercise, you feel great. It's endorphins and keflins. Nope, it's not. You strengthen the brain through BDNF and other processes, and you've increased your brain interaction through these dendritic formations. The default mode network is critically important. And I'll talk more about this later. It's, it's kind of one of those topics you don't want to go too far into the weeds in an introductory discussion. But I did say, what about psychedelics? Psychedelics strengthen the brain, believe it or not. So the guy that invented LSD, he did it in 43. Uh, it's called Bicycle Day. So the guy that did it, did it was on a trip. He self-medicated, and he rode his bicycle all, all around Europe. And you know, it was during World War II, and so there's an actual bicycle day, and it it recognizes uh, the LSD phenomenon. And psilocybin has been around forever. That magic mushroom stuff, and the um, Native American Indians and others uh, take these. Um, delicious little mushrooms and they have a trip and uh it's it's this thing that everybody talks about like with ketamine when they get to the k-hole it's called the k-hole they all say they feel like they're coming out of their body 
they have a very inner experiential experience. They all say the same thing. It's like they're looking down on themselves. Anyway, you've heard about people who had a cardiac arrest or something, and they say, I, I saw it from the room. I was standing in the room, and I was watching them work on me. No, that's the default mode network. And it, it, that's the K-hole, too. You're reintroducing this absolutely unique, extraordinary experience strengthens the brain. And, you know, when, when people have these experiences and, like, they have um, a discussion, it, it's like so many things that they ruminated on. That's what the default mode network does. The things you keep thinking about, thinking, beating yourself up about, they don't matter anymore. Once you um, are properly treated, all that stuff doesn't matter. Anxiety comes down, um, and it's truly, from a neuroscience standpoint, a game changer for people. And that's what psychedelics do, too. And they strengthen the uh, dendritic spine formation. They make a bigger brain, a more efficient brain. Okay, NRTHC. Okay, uh, cannabis sativa. That's um, pot plant. And it has... CB1 and CB2. You don't necessarily need to know what these are, but cannabinols. It's got um, cannabidiol. And um, the, uh, there's a sheriff. I'm going to put the microphone down. Um, I'm getting back. Um, and uh, I get such looks. Yes, I'm holding a microphone driving a car. And so um, there goes the phone. I'll have to catch that in a minute. Sorry. I, I, I'll, I'll kind of wrap this up by saying, THC may do that, but we do know what strengthens uh, the brain and brings peace and salience is cannabidiol. And there, the cannabis sativa plant's got a, a hundred of these cannabidiols, and CB1 is more neuro-based, and CB2 is more immune-based. It's a little more complicated than that, of course, but just as an introduction. So we also formulate them exogenously. In other words, outside of the body, we make CBD. It can be made from hemp. Hemp is one of the fastest-growing plants on the planet. It's been recognized for over 50,000 years to make rope and that sort of stuff, but you can get CBD out of it. Now, the THC is very low. So you won't get that um, that high, that feeling of high. And the um, plant, as you know, when you smoke it, it for the THC effect, has a distinctive smell from terpenes, and terpenes protect the plant from bad things like bugs. And so terpenes is what you're burning and smelling. Um, and... Hemp doesn't have that necessarily, and THC is very low. And to be legal in the U.S., it's got to be less than 0.3%. But it does have CBD. Do you need the THC? Well, I'm kind of changing my mind. I think you, I think you may need it to um, turn on the default mode network. So THC may actually strengthen the brain. People swear by it. And yes, CBD. Uh, CB1 has a pain-relieving uh, quality. CB1, CB2 is pretty much all over the body. 
and um, the receptor has a negative feedback on cannabinoids and uh, from THC. So um, we'll talk more about that because it's very important to start thinking, is this new way of neuroscience telling us that these background networks that we didn't think were so valuable really are? And maybe THC has a, has a role um, beyond just cannabinoids. But we do know that cannabinoids and cannabidiol really are helpful. We do know that <laughs> magic mushrooms, who would have known? Uh, psychedelics um, are helpful. We do know that ketamine is an extremely potent um, and useful approach to developing and building brain health, neuroscience. Pretty cool stuff, huh? So with the background and knowing that what I've talked about in the past of neuroinflammation, glial cell activation, that sort of thing, we're going to start thinking out of side of the box. And this was an introduction, podcast in a car. Um, yeah, it's going to take a real dedication to sit down and talk about the default mode network and how it relates to neuroscience and you, your pain, your sleep, anxiety, your overall well health. It's going to take it's going to take some time. It's going to take chunks. So, okay, I'm going to I'm kind of getting close to Publix here. I can see the green sign. So, I'm going to pretty much sign out here and uh, I'm going to catch you later. Uh, and probably continue something similar to this because I just spoke on this stuff. Oh, there's a surprise. You can't turn the off switch, huh? Um, I just spoke on this uh, in Cincinnati, and it was a great meeting, Ohio and Kentucky State Society meetings. Um, so I've got more to talk about and more to expand on this. It was well-received. I couldn't do as much as I wanted in 30 minutes, but hey, what the hey? It's an introduction, right? All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.